Welcome to the Writers Guild Foundation podcast. My name is Enid Portuguez, and I'm the Communications Director at the Foundation. This podcast we have for you today is from our September 23rd, 2014 Writers on Writing event with Jason Kadams, whom you may know is the writer, developer, and producer of TV dramas such as Parenthood, Friday Night Lights, and About a Boy. There to guide Jason through his writing process and career was fellow writer Jan Oxenberg, who worked with Jason on Parenthood and Roswell. We got some great insight on what shaped his voice as a writer to how he juggles having multiple shows on the air. You'll also get to hear Jason talk about why he made certain choices in writing scenes for shows like Friday Night Lights, which is one of my personal favorites ever, so that was pretty cool to hear. Anyhow, I'll let you listen for yourself. Jason Kadams will be back on the Writers Guild Foundation stage, but as the moderator in our masterclass with Winnie Holtzman on August 26th. Stay tuned for the podcast of that in the near future. So without further ado, I give you Writers on Writing with Jason Kadams. Hi, I'm Jan, and this is Jason Kadams, who created that amazing work you just saw. (laughs) So, you know, one observation I had from seeing these clips that Jason sent over and remembering and getting, getting to see all the work together is that you know, one of the reasons that Jason's shows have succeeded on television is because he's so fucking good. <laughs> okay, I have a little surprise here. Uh, Winnie Holtzman sent a message that she wanted oh, wow. me to read, if that's okay. You know, Winnie Holtzman created my so-called life. And um, Okay. What made Jason, what made Jason so wonderful to work with? I think it starts with how gifted he is as a writer, but it goes much further than that. There's more to being a great addition to a writing staff than just being a really good or even great writer. Jason is a great writer. He's original. His characters aren't characters. They're real. But how wonderful he was to have as part of my staff wasn't just about his talent or his great ear for dialogue or the fact that he was really the only writer who could actually write the show. It also, it, I'm sure that played a role. Um, it also had a lot to do with his soulfulness and thoughtfulness as a person. I found his presence incredibly comforting. That's a huge deal on a writing staff. I could feel him rooting for me and wanting to help, and that meant so much to me. Plus, he's got that low-key humor in his back pocket, i.e., he, he can slyly mutter something incredibly witty at just the right moment. Over the years, I've often wished I could somehow be on one of Jason's writing staffs. I envy the writers who've had that experience. I've wished it not just because he's so much fun to hang out with and because the shows he's created are so original and so alive, but also because I'm just really curious about how he does it, (laughs) how he plans his seasons, how much he decides on ahead of time, that kind of thing. So ask him that, okay? (laughs) I will. We'll get to that. Mainly, I just want to say that I respect, admire, and love Jason Kadams. And if I wasn't in New York City, I'd be there taking notes, trying to understand how he does it all so I could learn from him. Respectfully submitted, Winnie. Uh, 
So Jason, when did you first know that you were a talented writer? Uh, I think that um, the first, uh, um, the first, my first awareness that I was, um, came up when I was, I was in college, I was going to Queens College, and um, I took a basic English comp class uh, with a teacher named Judith Fishman, and um, she had us keep a journal as part of the class. And um, she said, you could write anything in the journal that you want, but you have to write in it. And, um, and then at the end of every week, she would basically have you read something from your journal. And so um, I uh, wrote, I mean, I read, you know, uh, um, something that I wrote and, um, and in class, and then she said to me, so you realize what that is, right? And I was like, no, what is it? She said, that's a short story. And that was the first time that I thought, oh, that's, maybe, maybe I could do this. <laughs> So, Jason, you're not from a Hollywood family, right? And we just learned that you didn't go to Harvard. You, were, <laughs> you weren't on the Harvard Lampoon. Right. So there was no obvious or easy path for you to have the career that you have now. So how did it happen? How did it happen? Well, um, I... When I graduated from college, I, uh, the last semester I was in college, I decided I took a uh, playwriting class, and so I decided I was going to be a playwright. And so, uh, so after college, I pursued that, and I you know, grew up in New York and lived in New York, so I basically um, started writing plays and getting into, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, taking classes, uh, getting into, you know, different various uh, groups and theater groups and theaters and getting involved in with that kind of thing. And uh, then years went by of um, doing that with um, um, very little success. And, uh, and then um, um, I got a call out of the blue one day from Ed Zwick's office and he, you know, I called him back and he said, uh, I just want to let you know I read one of your plays and I liked it. And I said, thank you. And he said, do you know who I am? And I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> and he you said, guys well, know who he is? Well, by way of explanation, he said, I, you know, I created a television show called 30-something. I directed a movie called Glory. And I said, okay, I think you could stop there. <laughs> and um, and um, I um, wound up... Um, uh, you know, he didn't have anything. This was right after 30-something had been canceled. And um, it's not... He said, if I, I was still doing 30-something, I read your play, I would have brought you out and um, given you a script and have, had, see how you did on it. But I, but I, but I don't have a show. So, um, so I figured, you know, it was a very nice call and nothing would ever happen to it. And I got home and there had been this message on my machine... And Kathy, my wife, who um, is not a writer, was not in the you know the business, um, knew exactly who Edswick was and heard the the message, and she was like, "You idiot, Edswick!" And um, so I decided to go out and uh, 
you know, and, and, uh, and meet him. And I did. And I was there for a week. And during the week, I, um, you know, one, one day that I was there at the office dropping something off, Winnie Holtzman was there. And Winnie was writing the uh, pilot uh, script at the time for My So-Called Life. And I met Winnie and, um, you know, um, after, uh, you know, they picked, the network picked up the pilot, they, this was back at a time when they used to hire, they used to um, um, have backup scripts, you know, that they would have people, writer, even before the show was picked up, or even in this case, before the pilot was shot, they would hire um, writers to write, you know, a few scripts of the show. Uh, ahead of time, um, which actually makes sense. Which makes a ton of sense, and um, they. Um, um, so I got hired to write, you know, one of those scripts. So that's how I. Uh, that's how I got out here. So, okay, you know, from seeing those clips, I, I showed them because I wanted people to just have fresh in your minds what a strong, recognizable writer's voice Jason has. And, you know, since we're doing this at the Writers Guild, I'm hoping to try to talk a lot about writing tonight. Um, and so I wanted to ask Jason, you know, how would you characterize your voice as a writer? I mean, I remember in the writer's room, you used to say, best foot forward. You know, what does that mean? Uh, you know, I think that... Um you know, best foot forward is an expression that um, I first heard from, I think it was uh, Ed and Marshall, Ed Zwick and Marshall Herskovitz, when I was first starting in my so-called life, or maybe it was on Relativity. Um, <clears throat> and um, basically what it means is that, um, you know, it's, it's about, it's about um, how characters should be trying their hardest. And, um, and it sort of comes from the idea that for me, to me, I feel like, um, you know, most of the people that I meet, uh, in, that I've come across um, in, in life, you know, are trying their best. Like, you know, very few people are, are really evil or, or trying to be, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> trying to do, uh, uh, um, you know, bad things. <laughs> you know, they're, you know, people are just trying to um, make their lives work. And, um and it's that struggle to get there that I find interesting. You know, it's, it's people's attempts to, um, you know, um, figure out themselves and, and their relationships and, and who they are in the world and, and, and all of that. And so um, to me, I think the reason why I, that, that expression is so important to me is that, um, you know, I think it, it's very hard to come up with a break a story in a show and often what you wind up doing is you get tunnel vision and you think about like oh I have a character that I want to get him from here to here and and that's what you're trying to do and um, and you get them there but the problem is in doing that sometimes you um, you 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 give yourself permission to have the other characters say, what they, what you need them to say, to get that guy where you want to get him by the end of the story, and um, and do whatever you know you 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 want them to do. And so, to me, it's kind of like that. To me, what makes something work is when every character in your story 
uh, is making sense. Every character, what they're doing, it, you know, what they're um, um, <clears throat> what they're doing is something that would, you know, kind of um, they would really say or do or think, and you know, to not allow the that sort of convenience of having a character do what you want them to do because it helps you tell your story. I, um, I like to have people do what I want them to do because it helps me. But yeah, me too. Well, but and what are some other principles? I mean, I know some of the other phrases that get bandied about, like mess it up or what would really happen. You know, what are some of the other principles that you try to use in your writing? Um, I, you know, I think that um, what I try to do is think about um, the what would really happen is a is a big thing. Uh, you know, to me, another big principle is. Um, to continue to have the story deepen as you go. Um, another big principle is, um, you know, not putting a scene in a story that isn't essential and necessary. Um, you know, um, you know, there's an expression that has that we have in in in, in both the Friday Lights room we had and now in the Parenthood room. The expression is going to be cut. Going to be cut. Um, and basically that came from me coming from the editing room um, and going and hearing a pitch from the writers and being in the editing room, hearing a scene that sounded an awful lot, awful, awful lot like a scene I just cut in the editing room. And I was like, you know, I think that's going to be cut. There's a nice scene that's going to be cut. And um, that has become like, you know, one of our major expressions. It's going to be cut. <laughs> so how would you characterize that? Can you give an example? You know, what, what's the smell of a scene that's going to be cut? The smell of a scene that's going to be cut is, um, <clears throat> you know, okay, here's a good example. Uh, you know, you have a... Uh, a character involved in a storyline. Let's say it's, um, you know, um, I can't, I, you know, um, you have a character involved in a storyline. Let's say it's you and me, you know, and we're saying... I'm going to be cut? Is that what you're saying? Not, not, not yet. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, we're, you know, we're, we're in a story that is about the two of us and whether or not we're going to go into business together. Then I go back and I talk to... Uh, my wife about whether or not I should do that. That scene is not yet necessarily going to be cut. But then if there's another scene before I go back to you and do something where I go to my sister and say, what do you think I should do? That scene will definitely be cut. You know, it's basically like, you know, there's, this, there's only a certain amount of, uh, of, of, you know, um, of, 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 you know, tolerance that an audience is going to have for hearing about, you know, shit that is not actually moving, driving the story, moving it forward. Um, so it's, it's really, you know, anything that has to do with redundancy, anything that's not sort of driving the story, you know, forward. And it's a balancing act. It's a real balancing act because you need um, your, your characters to reflect and talk about what they're doing. You know, that's essential and important to a story to get inside their heads. 
Um, you know, that's what gives us the ability to, you know, having them talk about something is what gives us the ability to have what you don't have, what, what we don't have in, 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 if we were writing a novel where you just say their thoughts, uh, it gets, it allows us to do that. But, um, you know, too much of that, you know, um, you know, be, you know, gives it sort of that sort of a story, a feeling of, you know, sort of, um, that you're, you know, just kind of running in place and meandering. And so, um, every show is its own thing, you know, because we have so many, you know, on both Friday Nights and Parenthood, we have so many stories going on. Um, there's tends to be a, it tends to be very succinct, you know, like when you, you know, sort of do the, the math on it, you're talking about like, you know, maybe five or six beats to a story, maybe four, sometimes three, um, beats to a story, um, is like that, not that many beats. And, um, because you have so many stories going on, if you sort of just think about it, you know, um, you know, if you're seeing lots of scenes in a row from different stories that are all taking your temperature beats and not moving the story forward, it's sort of just, it, it just, the whole, the whole, uh, you know, process of view, you know, just grinds the whole thing to a halt. So it's, it's, it's about, you know, sort of, um, you know, you know, uh, you know, you know, keeping the story going and, and moving forward. And, and, you know, it evolves over time. You know, you see like, you know, like when we write an episode of Parenthood now, you know, you know we always put the, the, um, the, the, break the stories up on, on, on boards and uh, with index cards. And, um, you know, season one, you know, we used to have like cards hanging down the bottom of the index cards. We needed two rows. There was like so many, you know, we thought we had so many great ideas. And now, you know, there's, there's many fewer scenes in an episode um, because I think we sort of, we, you know, we kind of got, came to and figured out, you know, what were really the essential scenes? What were the scenes we really needed to see uh, to tell our stories? Well, you know, I know it's hard to talk about this in the abstract, but when you talk about the balancing act between seeing something that is going to feel redundant or static to the audience and thinking about what would really happen, you know, because everything that people do in life isn't moving their story forward. Um, you know, and I, I thought about that a lot when, I, in preparing for this, I got to sort of switch back and forth between watching Friday Night Lights episodes and Parenthood episodes. You know, and the people in Friday Night Lights, are, they're not articulate. You know, they don't use words to spin reality. Yeah, people in parenthood use a lot more words. What's it like? And yet both shows feel so emotional and so real. You know, is it just intuitive and you can't talk about it? Or, or can you talk at all about how you have a, you know, a judgment of how to do those things that you do? Well, I mean, I think that, um, there, you know, it's such a combination of sort of intellectual understanding of what you're doing and just emotional, you know, like what you're feeling. Um, and to me, it's like the emotion always wins. It's like, you know, it's sort of, I feel like, you know, it's, um, you know, it's m my job to, um, you know, ultimately sort of decide on what, you know, the stories we are going to tell on the shows. And, um, and that's like a big responsibility because it's like you decide that and then either I go off or somebody else goes off and writes that and then 
people prep it and act it and then people have to watch it on TV, you know? So it's a big responsibility. It's like something that happens early on in the process. Um, um, what but, makes a story worth telling? Like when you hear a pitch in a writer's room, what, why do you say, yeah, that's going to work or that one's not there yet? I think it has, for me, it has to do with what I, it was when I feel it, you know? I mean, it's really like, it really is, it's when I feel it. And, um, and sometimes, honestly, I don't know if it's all in my own head, you know, but there it's, you know, sometimes it's, 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 at times it's very clear to me, like when I hear something, when we go through a story and that's really kind of like, you know, how we do it. It's like, we just kind of like, um, are, you know, in the writer's room, we are, you know, um, you know, coming up with, um, you know, trying to sort of break all the stories and the character, you know, figure out the arcs of the characters and all that stuff. Um, but then ultimately, um, you know, we break each story and then the way it works is like one of the writers will get up and tell the story. It's like telling a story. It's, it's not, it's not that different than if you were just going to somebody and saying, here's what I did last week, you know, it's like, you know, and, I, to me, it's like that sort of, that experience of hearing the story told, um, you know, is, um, you know, what, you know, is, is, you know, has to feel, like I have to feel in the room the same way I want to feel when I watch the episode. You know, that's how I, that's what I think it should be. Not that all the detail has to be there or all the language or the lines, but the basic like movement of the story, you know, should be there in the room. And it's one of the lessons, you know, the many lessons that you learn is over the years of, of doing this is um, if it's not on the cards, you're going to have a problem, you know, down the road. If it's not, if it's not working there, you know, it, you're going to have a problem with the script, you're going to have a problem with the, you know, the, the, the director and the actors, and you're going to have a problem in the editing room, you know, because it, you know, so it's like that sort of, the, the purity, the great thing about the writer's room and what happens there is there's a great, you know, sort of purity to it. It's like, you know, you're, you're, you're getting to see the idealized version of, of what's in your head and the other writer's heads about it, you know, before everybody else puts their sort of spin on it and, you know, you come up, you're in the editing room and then you're dealing with the reality. Here's what we have. Here's what we don't have. Do we have that? No. <laughs> Do we have that? No. Uh, you know, that, that's when you're dealing with reality. But in the writer's room, you're sort of dealing with it in an ideal, you know, it's an I idealistic world, you know, where anything is possible. And, um, and so the, what you want to do is kind of uh, narrow it down to, it's like the, I, to me, it's about, you know, sort of um, feeling like every scene in the story that you're telling is essential that um, every storyline that that you have has a reason to exist. That has has a, obviously a beginning, middle, and end, but it's more than that. That it um, has a um, you know it has um, you know some sort of emotional you know resonance, and it's about something that you know um, is you know that you feel is relatable, really because it's relatable to you. That's the only way you can judge that, and you know that's. To me, you know, that's, um, I don't know, I don't, I, I can't remember what you asked, but. I don't know. 
well, that's going to go then. Uh, <laughs> so tell me about your writing process. You know, is it easy when you sit down to write? Is it easy for you to write? I mean, you know, besides doing some great work, you're extremely productive. You have like you've had two shows on the air simultaneously for many years now. So can you talk about a little bit about you know? Do you have a routine? Where do you do it? How do you do it? Um. Yeah. I. I, you know, my routine has changed a little bit. You're talking about just at literally writing, the writing. Um, so the routine has um, changed a little bit. I used to write um, um, in Starbucks all the time and, um, be, and you know, had a very, um, you know, I really loved it because for whatever reason, um, it felt like, um, you know, even though it's like very loud in there and often, you know, hard to find a seat and all that stuff, um, there was something about it where the atmosphere was, um, all that sort of ambient noise around me, um, didn't bother me and it, it, it somehow helped me to focus on the computer and there's just something about it, you know, there's no, from that environment for me was there's no like, um, um, you know, it, you know, it's it's sometimes challenging. Sometimes it can be challenging at the office to write because, you know, you're easily distracted. You know, you're called in to you know you've got um, you know it's it's a whole different you know the showrunner thing is it's hard. You know, it's ironic because as a showrunner, really ultimately you're a writer. That's what you are. But it's hard to the you know when you're a showrunner, it it keeps you from writing you because know, you keep getting called into doing other things. And so I started by, you know, doing Starbucks, but then I got this very bad iced tea addiction. <laughs> very bad iced tea addiction. And um, and I'm not kidding. I was like, I was, I was um, drinking. And when you got out of rehab, what happened? Yeah. I had to go cold turkey on the iced tea and the caffeine. And so it lost a little bit of its allure, Starbucks. Um, but I still, the main thing I still try to do is, um, to me, I like to write first thing in the morning. Um, that, that, you know, I mean, everybody has their, you know, their own time to do it. Um, but to me, it's like I like to write um, the first thing. I feel like that's when I'm most focused. And then, um, and then also just because... Um, I, I wind up getting pulled into so many different things during the course of a day that I know if I just if I start by writing and I get a good few hours in at the beginning of the day, then um, you know um, then if I get if I don't get a chance to you know actually sit there and write again during the day, it's okay. And if you don't do that, unfortunately, what will happen is the whole day will go by and you will not have written anything. And that gets frustrating because then you just, you feel like, you know, um, you know, the, the great thing about television is also the horrific thing. The great thing about television is you get to tell X amount of stories, 15, 22 stories in a year and make 22 little movies. And it's, it's, that's the great thing about it. And the horrific thing is you have to make 22 little movies in a year. And um, so the train is constantly, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's constantly going and you, you, know, you have to be not only, um, you, you just have to be like an incredibly efficient um, 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 as, with every aspect of the, of the process. You know, you have to be, you know, um, 
efficient as a as as a writer, but also with you know the, the uh, you know every aspect of it because any time that you're not sort of you 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 it's like your job as a showrunner is to kind of steer the ship in a way with kind of on every and every aspect of the show and um so that's the responsibility is that you know as much as possible you know you're kind of steering it in the right direction or at least the same direction so you know you're you're keeping things moving forward and um and so that is you know the i think to me it's like as a as a showrunner the 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 best possible thing i can bring um, in, in any, to, you know, uh, to the process is, is clarity. You know, it's like when it's, when it's clear, you know, um, you know, even if I'm wrong and of course I'm wrong, you know, it's like, it's a subjective situation you're dealing with. It's like, you know, it's like, what's a good story to tell? You know, what actor do you like? What, you know, where do you want a character to go through that episode is, completely subjective there's no way to say it isn't you know there's no um but um if you can be but but if you can be clear as clear as to, to everybody in the in 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 the in in the process everybody involved in the process from the with with your writers most importantly in the writers room and the directors and actors and and editors um you know and and all the other department heads um you know um it's in it's in uh, you know it it makes it um um possible to you know to get it done but it also gives it the greatest you know sort of potential for everything sort of coming together and it feeling like you know sort of whole cloth so now you're talking about a lot of lessons that you've learned you know you've run what seven shows uh, what was it like being a baby writer on My So-Called Life? And then, you know, those two clips at the end there, one was from My So-Called Life, and, and you guys may not even know that the first show Jason created was this wonderful show called Relativity. That was the last clip that you saw with Adam Goldberg and Jane Addams. So what was it like being a baby writer on My So-Called Life and then immediately going from there to creating your own show? Well, My So-Called Life was, um, you know... Um, you know, I mean, it was a really fantastic uh, experience. It was, um, um, you know, really like a, um, it was really like my film school or my graduate school. Um, you know, I was, you know, I mean, Winnie sort of referred to a little bit in the note that she wrote that, you know, we didn't really have, um, you know, it was Winnie's first show. And, um, you know, we didn't really have like a um, a big writing staff, and some of the writers that were on the show were um, sort of consultants, like they weren't there full time. Um, and so, it was this incredibly lucky thing for me because I got to be around. You know, I was just, I was just, I was just, you know, I just nobody really asked me to, but I just like showed up every day and I was there, and. Um, you know, little by little, you know, Winnie started sort of bringing me in to, um, you know, um, to all the different parts of the process. So um, I was like, had never worked on a show before, but, you know, I got to sit in on things like casting sessions. And then I got to go to uh, meetings with her, Winnie and, and Marshall and Ed, where they would talk about, 
you know, sort of future, you know, just kind of the equivalent of a, the writer's room, which they didn't have a writer's room, but that's where they sort of broke the stories. Um, so I got to, like, watch Edswick and break a story and, and with, with Winnie and Marshall. And, and then, um, so I really got to be part of the, the process and, um, you know, um, um, and, and, you know, and Winnie was like, um, you know, um, you know, it was, like I said, we didn't have a lot of writers. It was her first show. And so, you know, um, you know, she would end up like, you know, having to rewrite stuff, you know, like into the night. And, um, so, you know, she started to ask me if I want, you know, when she was doing rewriting, you know, sometimes she would say, do you want to you know, help me do the rewrite. And uh, so I would sit with her in the office and as Winnie Holzman is like rewriting, you know, um, these scripts. And um, and her letter was very nice that she said I was, I helped her. But I, I'm really convinced that the reason why she wanted me that was there was just to keep her awake. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but, you know, it was like an incredible, incredible... Um, you know, learning experience that was unique because typically it's always great to get on a show when, as a, as a first time writer, but typically you're not really sort of invited into the whole process like that. But because of the sort of unique circumstances, I would I really got a window. I really got to learn about. I had never been on a set before the show. I didn't had no idea how TV was made or or anything. I hardly you know you know, watched dramas. I didn't watch, you know, our television. You know, I watched sitcoms as a kid and movies, but like, you know, so I didn't even, like, I didn't like, <laughs> I was like completely, um, you know, like a naive in a way. But, um, but so it was a really great experience. So it was like, obviously really lucky to get that phone call from Ed and to, to get any job, but to be with these people who were really, making some of the best television out there and and also like I guess the biggest lesson that I, I learned from them was you know I came from like writing plays and you know and I had this assumption I think I sort of grew up with this assumption about television and I grew up with this assumption that television was kind of um sort of less than you know I grew up with this this assumption that you know there were great movies there were great plays and TV was like TV, you know? And um, I very quickly learned that TV in the right hands could be high art, you know? And that, you know, when, you know, working with Ed and Marshall and Winnie, um, <clears throat> you know, they were, you know, they were, you know, trying to make great, and not only trying, but they were really, making great television. They had very, very high um, 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 standards and, and expectations of themselves. So just, I'm going to jump around a little bit. Tell me what happened when you were called in and asked to do Friday Night Lights. Oh, Friday Night Lights. So I had just been, so what happened was I was, um, I had just been on an, an uh, overall deal at 20th Century Fox where I did, where I worked on my so-called life and then Relativity and then Roswell and finally um, worked for, ran Boston Public with David Kelly for the last two seasons of the show. 
and I was finishing that um, deal, and I was, um, I was, I had decided that it, I had spent a long time in an overall deal, and I decided I was not going. I was going to take a year and not do anything. I was going to take a year and, um, you know, kind of, um, you know, um, you know, just figure out what I wanted to write and, like, not take a job. And uh, I ran, so I was on the lot at Fox, um, you know, um, literally right at the end of this deal, and I ran into um, David Nevins, who at the time um, was the, um, I guess, the head of television at Imagine Television. And he, a- he started asking me, he said, are you a football fan? I was like, no. And he said, did you, ever re- did you ever see the movie Friday Night Lights? I was like, no. Um, and he said, well, I have this show called Friday Night Lights that I really, want, I really want you to think about. And I thought that he was asking me to write the pilot. And um, what I found out was that there already was a pilot and that Pete Berg had written and directed and so he was asking me to come on as a showrunner of um, somebody else's show. And um, I had just said, oh, this is the year I'm going to spend just doing my thing, you know. And um, so David Nevins, you know, asked me to come see a rough cut of the, of, the, um, of, the, of the show. And I went over to Imagine and went to their screen room. And I watched, you know, the show, which I was sure walking into it, I wasn't going to be involved in. And over the course of watching that pilot, I kept thinking to myself, what the fuck am I going to do in the next year that's anything close (laughs) to this thing? This was like unbelievable, the show. And so I had to go meet um, Pete Berg. And, uh, you know, I had to to go sit, you know, go meet with Pete Berg to sort of interview for Friday Night Lights, and basically, I, you know, I went in there and um, I said to him, you know, you know, he asked me, you know, like, do you love? The first thing he said was, well, "Do you love football? Do you just, <laughs> Jason? Do you just fucking love football?" You know. <laughs> and I was like, "No, I'm like, I'm a baseball guy," you know. And I told him, you know, look, I'm I'm a baseball guy, not a football guy. I'm like Jewish. I don't know any about like this Christianity. I'm from Brooklyn, I'm not from a small town. I never have set foot in Texas. And yet, I am definitely the guy to run the show. Okay, and he just kind of shrugged and I and then I was then I was doing it. But- that's funny, but it's, <laughs> it's also true. You were definitely the guy to run the show, obviously. So h- how did you know you were the guy to run the show? And, and what did you see in that pilot that made you know there was a great show there? Well, I, you know, I, I didn't know I was the guy to run the show. I hoped I was the guy to run the show. I really did. I mean, I was, I'd never been more intimidated walking into a job because I really thought that the... Um, the pilot was brilliant, but it was like the potential for what the show could be was like nothing I'd ever seen on TV. I just, you could feel it. But there was something that I think, there was one thing that happened in the pilot 
where I felt like I want to do the show. And that was because the pilot was, you know, um, you know, sort of I was watching it. And of course, I was watching it. No, I was knowing I was sort of up for a job. So I was think very much thinking about, you know, like what would I what would I do here, you know, with the show and what could I do? And for a while, I was kind of like, well, this pilot's really wonderful, but I don't know what I would do you know, after the pilot. I'm not sure what the show is. Why is it a show as opposed to just a movie, a self-contained story? And then um, toward the end of the pilot, um, uh, Jason Street, you know, the quarterback, um, gets injured in the game and has to be taken off um, uh, off in the field and obviously has this very, very serious, life-changing injury. And... Um, you know, I actually had the after I saw the, the the after I saw the pilot, I had there was only there were really only two questions I had to know whether I you know wanted to be involved with the show. The first question was what happens to that guy Jason Street, you know? And they said well, and the answer was the great was a great answer because it was like well that would be you to decide. <laughs> um, but our thinking was that he's paralyzed, and uh, and the second question I had was are you going to shoot this in Texas where you shot the pilot? Can we shoot the show here? Because I thought that if we had to, if we had to try to do the show in Los Angeles um, or somewhere other than where it should be, um, I would wind up being the guy that destroyed that show because there's, <laughs> no, there's no way to, there's no, I knew it had to be there, you know? And, um, but when I knew that the, in, in any case, when I knew, when the, the thing that made me think there were, there were, you know, many stories to tell was when um, the idea that this guy was going to be the star quarterback on this team um, was going to be paralyzed. And it just all of a sudden it was like there were so many stories that would just immediately, um, you know, um, um, suggesting themselves of like, you know, OK, so what's going to happen to this team, this coach who has all this pressure on him to bring, you know, um, bring a state championship to this team and now he's just lost the one guy he had you know the, the his guy and then you know is this you know is this is is this is this um second string quarterback saracen this sort of stuttering weirdo going to be able to like you know step up and do it and and then the stories of what was going to happen with jason and his and his girlfriend and 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 um and and then from that all the other you know everything else just sort of rolled into that um um and and but it was like it just felt like it had immediately had this um you know um uh, 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 it immediately had like a sort of a story engine so yeah i assume there's a lot of people in the audience who are writing pilots or thinking about you know movies or tv shows that they would want to make so can you generalize it all? Like, you know, when that's a great example, but when you look at a piece of material or when a writer comes to you, now you have a company, you do pilots, you know, when a writer comes to you with an idea, what is it that makes you say, yeah, this is a character that a show could be written around? Or yeah, this is a story that a show could happen around? Um, or know. conversely, no, this sucks. <laughs> Well, you know, I think um, to me, I I always I I mean, I sort of go to it all uh, start with um, from a 
there it, it I start with sort of like the uh from a personal place which is you know is this a show that you know kind of I want to see and particularly if I'm going to be writing on a show or if I'm writing the pilot um you know I try to think a lot about you know what is this show in its fourth season not like what are the stories not like you know like you know that kind of thing where because I'm not the guy who's like I knew what was going to happen exactly you know because I don't but like am I still going to be interested in this world and in these people are they going to still be like um are is there going to still be stuff for me to write about down the road and is that going to be as interesting as writing you know like the newness of a pilot um you know because I think that that is um you know um um you know that's what's different about television from other from everything else from movies and and novels and 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 plays and um is that it's you're telling a long story you know you're telling a story that continues and 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 goes on um especially when you're doing stories like these like parenthood and friday lights and many many cable shows now that are serialized shows that are really like more um you know chapters and episodes you know chapters of a book and an episode where they're so integrally you know connected from one thing to the other so it's sort of like is this a is this a world that i um and are these people people that sort of like really capture my attention in terms of the other thing about it's like what makes a show that's too hard of a question for me to, i don't know I wish I knew. You guys that. haven't paid enough for the, that answer. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> right. Well, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, and of course, this is all so subjective, and you know, you're an incredible writer just because it comes out of you that way. But, oh, by the way, have you ever really struggled? You know, have you been miserable and and thought, God, I can't write this? Or what's the hardest thing you've written? Um, you know, I feel, I mean, I honestly feel that way every time I write anything. I mean, uh, you know. Not uh, that obvious. Well, every time you start, you know, writing something, you cannot help that feeling that you've got nothing. Right. You know, you've got, because you literally have got nothing, you know. <laughs> um, you know. Um, People here thought they were the only ones who yeah, felt that way, but you, yeah. Um, so yeah, you, I mean, I think that it's um, you know, it's I, I think you always kind of um, that that doesn't go away. You know, I mean, you know, you know, um, you, I think you learn ways to sort of trick yourself. <laughs> and what are the ways? I, you know, you convince yourself that you know you've done it before. You've had this problem somewhere else, whatever. But you know, there's still always that feeling that you're an imposter, and they're gonna. This is when they're gonna discover it. Um, you know, um, but um, but you know, I think that you know, um, it, it it's it's an irony because it's like, you know, as you go on, obviously, you know, once you when you go on in a show, it, get, it does get easier. You know, it's like writing. An episode now of of Parenthood is is a lot easier than writing the pilot of Parenthood or writing any episode in the first season of Parenthood. You know, 
you know, once you, as you continue, you sort of, you know, you kind of, um, you have all that sort of history to draw and you know what works on the show, you know what doesn't, it's all very clear. But, you know, the, the, but yet, you know, also the most exciting thing is when you're starting something from the very beginning and you don't know what it is because, you know, you get to make all those sort of choices and you get to discover it. And, um, so, um, it's most, it's most, you know, challenging thing to do. Um, but you know, it also is, you know, kind of the reason why we're drawn to do this stuff to begin with is when to sort of create something out of nothing. So using that example that we saw, the, the, the scene from Friday Night Lights where the coach is, you know, walks into that hospital room. You know, that scene could have happened a billion different ways. What do you think was in your head? You know, why did you make the choices that you made there? Mm. Well, that, that episode was um, from the first episode after the pilot. So the first one that I wrote, the first one that I came on as a showrunner to do. And, um, you know, um, I wanted to, I mean, I chose something from that episode because I really wanted to, um, the, you know, um, I, I really wanted to to kind of, talk about that writing, the experience of writing that story, writing that particular episode. As I said, it was like, there was more pressure. I felt more pressure coming into that job than I've ever felt because of the, the fact because that... Because you're a Jew. <laughs> well, because I... Well, par, yes. Um, um, but also because I was um, walking into... A, sit, a situation where I felt um, it was um, kind of um, easier to fail than to succeed. You know, it was like it's a beautiful. It was, had been. It was, and by the way, an incredible book, and then a beautiful movie was made, and then this incredible pilot was made, and um, it was so different than anything I had ever done. And um, and I just didn't really know wh wh whether I was going to be able to do it. And so, um, and the thing was that um, other people also um, didn't think I could do it. Um, Anyone and, in particular? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, and that, but that really helped me. It was really an interesting thing. It really helped me. So, like um, when I was. Um, uh, so I had to, um, when I took this on this job, I had to do things like before we had, I had hired a writer, before I had thought of any, you know, written a story or doing anything, I had to like do things like I had to go to New York to the upfronts and like go to, you know, um, talk to the press and go to parties and talk to people. I had to talk to the actors. I had to like say all this stuff about how great I was going to be doing this. And like I had no idea. In fact, I thought I would not be good at all. And um, I, um, so what happened was, um, literally, I had um, a, I had a a, um, a, uh, a scene. It was actually not not. A, it was actually um, something that happened in real life, but it felt like a scene where one of the um, ex, one of the uh, executives from the um, studio or the network um, pulled me aside during the um, uh, TCAs, I think it was, and took me into a room. And basically she said to me, so Jason, like, um, yeah, can you do this? 
Are you going to be able to do this? Are you up for this? Like, are you really, are you guys, are you know, and I was like, literally like, what the fuck are you saying to me, you know? <laughs> and then I went to this part, I remember this other thing, like I went to this party and, um, you know, um, an agent came up to me. He was actually from my agency and he was a very nice guy and I'm friendly with him. And he said to me, uh, he started talking about the show. And he said, oh, my God, what the pilot was so great. I said, yeah, it was really great. And he said, honestly, like, I don't know where you go with this thing. I don't know. I'm just trying to think. I don't know where you go with this thing. And, um, and so I, but what happened was um, I felt like here I was this guy with this tremendous amount of pressure on me, this tremendous amount of expectation on me, this feeling that I was not going to be in complete control of whether or not I could succeed. And I suddenly realized this is my in to how to write the, to, for the show. This was my personal way in. The coach of this team was going through the exact same thing that I was going through. And it was like literally my aha moment. It was like I am going to basically you know, use this to sort of like write the show and, and um, you know, which is what I did. So that episode was very much from, you know, the point of view of this guy who had all this expectation on him and had one, you know, this, this player who was sort of, you know, he, we learn in that episode is paralyzed and he has to deal with him and confront him in the scene that we saw. But he also has to go to this, uh, the, the backup quarterback and sort of see what he's made of, you know, and, um, you know, and figure out whether, you know, kind of he can do it. And all the while, it's like the, 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 the boosters and the town and the radio and all these people are, are doubting him. So it's sort of him having to sort of publicly, you know, perform, you know, sort of publicly in a way that could be, you know, completely like, sort of humiliating. And so basically it was like this thing where I sort of used what I was sort of going through um, in, 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 you know, sort of doing this job um, and trying to do this job. And I kind of just used it as a way in to tell, um, you know, to, 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 you know, you know, it's like, just like an actor, you know, when you, when you, actors like taking on a role, you just, you got, he has to find himself in it. He's got to like find how does, how is he going to connect, you know, for himself. And I think it's the same thing as a writer, you know, you have to find a way to make it deeply personal to you. So when you were writing that scene, when the coach, that's a great story. When the coach walks into that hospital room, presumably all the concern he has for the kid who he doesn't really know very well he also has concern for himself, like, wow, my whole you know, job here is now screwed up. Did you write the scene with that in mind, or did you make a choice like, you know, my character is going to be dominated by his humanity, not his neurosis? You know, I, th I wrote the scene thinking about um, the ending that when this kid who's lying there paralyzed starts to help him, you know with his coaching, you know, by talking about this other, you know, his, who's the kid who was going to be his replacement. Um, I thought that, you know, that idea, 
um, was so moving to me, you know, and, um, and I thought that that would um, be, um, that would affect him, it would affect the coach. So that's a great example of a scene that has a shape. Right. You know, if, you, if we want to talk about like what makes a scene good, what, you know, what makes, when you look at a scene, say, well, it's not there yet. You know, you could have written that scene where he goes in and, you know, and the point of the scene is to show what a nice guy the coach is, you know, and the guy in the bed smiles at him at the end. But you had a shape that's brilliant. I, talk about that. Well, I think that, um, I, yeah, I mean, I think to me it's, it, it, it's like there like I think a scene sort of can't really live or shouldn't really live like an island or individually on its own. You know what I mean? So that would have been a very moving scene of its of you know just of him coming in and giving him the football. But um, I feel like what you sort of always want to do is um, make it about that your your character's journey. In this case, the character. The protagonist is the coach, and coach, and um, so you want to in every scene, you want to feel like it's it's the story is deepening, it's moving him forward, it's changing him, it's affecting him, uh, you know, in some way. Because when you got the idea, I mean, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. Um, you know, you know that you've got a coach. Anyone would be nervous going into a hospital room. What do you say to a person who's just been paralyzed? You know, that's an awkward situation. Right. Right. And at the same time, you've got a character, if you're being honest, who, you know, has a conflict himself. You know, he has, this is not a good situation for him. And something within you created a scene where the guy in the bed ends up solving his problem on a certain level. Yeah. And that's what's so great about the scene. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's also, it, it, but it's also just like that everybody's, you know, best foot forward thing too. It's like, you know, that's what I, you know, believe that, you know, it's like that, you know, the, you know, J, that the Jason Street character, you know, in that story is, you know, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't come, like that doesn't come out of him because he wants to say something nice to the coach. It, co it comes out of him because he believes in this team. You know, like, so... Trying to still be useful he, to the team. Yeah, he believes in, in... Yeah, he's trying to figure, you know, right. He's trying to still be useful, and he believes in this. And that's sort of like a bigger theme of what that sort of whole show is, I think, about, is that, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, you know, it's that this team is, you know, greater than the sum of its parts. And it's very important to this town. It's a religious thing, you know. It's like they need that team to, to um, you know, to um, go on. And then in some way, Jason needed that, that team to continue, for, you, know, um, um, you know, which is a beautiful thing because you think about, like, you know, the more uh, another instinct would be, for somebody to, um, you know, if they are not going to be able to be on the team, would want to see that team not thrive because, you know, of, you know, people's, you know, um, uh, you know, need to feel, you know, important. But, um, you know, I, you know, but it sort of goes to who he is and, 
who he was, you know, kind of as a character. But, you know, that to me, that that episode was really, you know, I really used, as I said, that thing of the, my, the, own, my, the pressure that I felt on me, I really just used that as my way into the whole show. In fact, there was another thing that happened um, where we came up, the writers, we came up with this idea of, that happened at the end of the episode where he takes Matt Saracen out on the field and, um, you know, he's the backup quarterback and he takes him out of the field and he basically has a scene with him where he, you know, tells Matt, you know, he, he needs to have like a moment with this kid just to see like what this kid is made of and is he going to be able to do it? And he has a guy up in the, uh, up in the booth and at one point toward the end of the scene and he has some flip on the switch and you hear all this crowd noise come up. And then, and, um, and then, you know, he basically, you know, the, the scene ends with them, the two of them, like, yell, screaming at each other on this empty field over the sound of the, uh, oh, the sound of, of, of um, you know, the, the crowd. And it's basically the coach basically, you know, in, sort of inspiring him to, um, to, um, or, or challenging him and inspiring him at the same time, I would say, you know, and it was just really like sort of great kind of raw scene between them. But in any case, when I wrote the script, um, you know, Pete Berg read the script and uh, hated that scene. <laughs> hated that fucking scene so bad. And uh, why? That shit doesn't happen. <laughs> Like he was looking for me, the baseball guy, to write some bullshit that doesn't really happen. So, and it, there it was, evidence in front of his eyes, and um, and you know, he thought it was like corny that he wouldn't take. Yeah, it I think he thought it was corny and not real, and it doesn't really happen. I never heard of a coach ever doing that, and um, and like so, I um, had to defend this scene. And, um, and it was in the script. Like, we didn't know. I mean, it could, for all I knew at that point, it could, it could have wound up being the worst scene ever. And, um, but I was kind of put in the position to, um, you know, kind of stick up for it because it was literally the climax of the whole episode. And, you know, it was, you know, we, you know, it was like, I sort of, that's, you know, I had to like sort of, I had to get behind it, you know? So it was like this weird, you know, thing that was like life imitating art. It was like, I felt like I, you know, I had to, I was basically saying to him, you know, I, I you know, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I believe this is going to work. I'm going to do it. And, um, and then, um, you know, and then we did it and, and it worked. And he was like, yeah, I guess it didn't suck. You know? <laughs> yeah, actually, we have that scene. Maybe we'll show it at the end of this. But, you know, it's so interesting because, you know, you, first of all, you had the impulse to do that scene. You know, you didn't write, they're out on the field. It's during the game. You know, he's, oh, what's going to happen? And he gives him the pep talk. I mean, that's the scene Pete Berg was probably talking about. You know, that's, oh, yeah, that's what would happen on the you chose this crazy scene where you have this completely empty football stadium. It's so much more emotional and artistic and beautiful. It was really cool, you know, 
doing that, uh, you know, first episode, it was so amazing because, you know, I, we were, I was working, um, you know, you know, Jeffrey Reiner directed that, um, and, you know, we were really like using a lot of the techniques that Pete used, um, in shooting the pilot and shooting the movie for that matter. And, um, um, and it was a completely, completely different process um, than what, what, um, I'd ever done. Yeah. Could I interrupt you? Yes. Sorry. Okay. Um, I'm just before you. I'm just curious. Like, what if you can articulate? What was in your head that said, "No, I'm not going to do the scene where they're in the game and that happened." Mm-hmm. You know why? Not only did you choose it, you had to stick up for it. So you must have thought you had a reason for it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it, it goes back to... I mean, I, think I would say two things. One thing is that, you know, the the basic thing that I've learned... that I mean, I, that I started with going back to Winnie and Anna Marshall was coming from a place of, you know, you know their theory was, you know, rather than was to tell the least amount of story possible in an episode, you know, in terms of just, you know, they were really interested in the nuance and the moments and, um, you know, the, 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 the stuff about sort of connecting, you know, um, um, you know, with, with people. And so that was sort of always my instinct going into it. And then the other part of it was, you know, we really sort of would break down that we would, we, we, the way, like, you know, we sort of approached that and sort of developed on that, the, those first few episodes of Friday Night Lights. And we used this sort of technique through the whole run of Friday Night Lights and then on Parenthood, which is we would break down um, uh, a season into a series of movements. You know, and the movement was, could be three or four or five episodes. And, um, and it was, you know, we'd typically like, you know, sort of... Um, um, uh, you know, and be sort of a mini arc in a way, um, and um, and come to some sort of resolution and conclusion, and would usually sort of answer kind of a question. And so on uh, on the on on Friday lights when you know the when Jason Street gets paralyzed, the question is basically is uh, the town of Dillon going to be able to sus- sustain this? Are they is 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 is, is, is are the Dylan Panthers going to be able to go on without Jason Street? That was the question. And that, you know, led to immediately, like, is Matt Saracen going to be able to sort of, you know, step up and be the quarterback? And that led to, um, you know, other questions like, is, you know, the coach going to get fired? Um, then they, or, or, or is the coach going to wind up bringing in this new phenom from New Orleans and let him take over Matt's, you know, job? And, you know, who's going to kind of win that competition? And um, that led to um, the fifth episode of the show, which was this um, rivalry game. And that's where it gets resolved that Matt sort of wins that job of, of being quarterback. And, you know, Voodoo, the, 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 the phenom from New Orleans kind of, um, you know, sort of self-destructs. And um, the point being that, you know, we were like leading to a place that was kind of like what you're talking about, but it was sort of like a slow build. So you can't, you, you, you just, you know, you kind of have to pick your, pick your moments. And, you know, 
and I thought what was interesting about you know that second episode was um you know that it what there wasn't a game and in fact as I recall the very ending of that episode was this beautiful sort of um sequence that sort of led up to um the beginning of the very beginning of the next game where you didn't and that was the way that episode ended and then picked up I believe in the next episode with the the you know it the game's the episode started with the next game. Well, that's really interesting. So, yeah, you could have resolved those questions in one episode. You know, you could have taken a whole season to resolve it. Do you, do you have any reason why you thought it would be like four or five? Yeah, well, the good thing about Friday Lights was one thing that was great about it is um, in terms of helping you break stories is you typically, every season was going to be a season of football, you know? So you kind of, you know, it gave you like an arc every year. I mean, you basically decide at some point, how far are they going to get? Are they going to get to the playoffs? Are they going to get to the championship? So you kind of know how many games of football they're going to play. And then you kind of parse it out. And so, you know, obviously the more, much, much more important part of the show and the only part that I really cared about was the lives of the characters. Like, I didn't really... The football was wonderful and great to do, but it was not what I think the show was about. Um, but it was the engine of the show. And, you know, it, uh, it really helped you. It gave you, like, a structure. You know, it's like, are, you know, are they going to get to the playoffs? What episode did they get to the playoffs? How far did they get to it? There was also many, many things involved, including budget, because, you know, we couldn't afford to shoot a game every episode you know we only games are very expensive to shoot and so you know we had to figure out over the course of a season you know we can only shoot a certain amount of games and so we had to like um you know basically um um you know but you know part of part of figuring out the season you know you have to you have to think of everything including these very practical matters of you know what you're capable of doing for the money so, God, I wish we had a lot more time, but so I'm going to jump around a little. But, you know, some of you may have noticed that grounded family dramas are primetime schedule is not bursting to the seams with those. Um, <laughs> and obviously something like Parenthood or Jason's new wonderful show about a boy are kind of like islands in a sea of genre, fantasy, spectacle, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, how did you take Parenthood, which doesn't have a football season as a structure? Um, do you think that the fact that you were dealing with things like Asperger's or eventually cancer, you know, do you think that that's necessary for a, a family relationship show to live? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely wasn't, I didn't include those stories because I thought they would be, uh, you know, make the show more commercially successful. If anything, I was worried about the opposite. Now let's get that Asperger's in there, boy. That's, uh... People are dying to watch that. <laughs> uh, you know, but, um, you know, it was... When I hear Asperger's, I think entertainment. <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, you know, um, but the, the question of, like, how to, how to, you know, about, you know, whether these kinds of shows are, um, you know, honestly, it's, 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 um, it was very difficult to do a show like Parenthood 
you know, back when we started doing it. And, um, and I think having the, uh, a lot of, I, I, you know, it took a lot to get it on the air. And I think having the title parenthood was very helpful and having, you know, um, those, the, those kinds of things that sort of gave it a little bit of, I mean, that gave it a little name recognition, you know, people recognized it and thought, Oh yeah, I remember the movie. Unfortunately, the show was not, is nothing like the movie tonally. So that was, but, um, but still, you know, it, it, but they uh, had done another show of parenthood from the same movie that was a flop. They did do another. Yeah. Yeah. They did. Uh, yeah. Um, um, but, um, but you had that anyway. It was, I, I, yeah, but it's, you know, it's very challenging to, you know, um, in the current landscape to, I mean, I don't know how I would go in and pitch a show like Parenthood right now. So no hope for people in the audience who would like to develop? I mean, other than cable, let's say? Or? I would say the good news about, but, you know, like not to be, like, I don't want to be depressing about it because I actually think this is the best possible time ever, ever to be writing television and to be getting into, you know, creating shows and writing shows. I think, you know, it's a, um, the, the, the possibilities um, are, 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 are just so much possibility. And it's, it's like what is exciting is that um, there are rules that, um, you know, just you used to have when you were doing a show. Um, and there are, I feel like there's like no rules anymore. You know, I feel like a show can be anything. Of course, you know, I'm talking about, you know, show, like sort of more like in the, you know, c cable landscape, but even that's spilled over into, you know, network because I think the networks are being more, you know, challenged and competing with what's being done on, on cable. So, um, you know, I think it's just, um, it's such an exciting time to, um, you know, to, to, to be doing it because I, I think there's, 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 um, you know, there's just like a tremendous, Potential. I think there's like all there's like new people, new uh, 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 places like producing. It seems like all you know constantly, and it feels like even you know it's changing so rapidly. Like even from where we were, uh, you know, a year ago or six months ago, it feels like there's so many uh, you know possibilities, and and you know you don't have to follow the rules. I mean, you look at True Detective, and it's just a completely different kind of format than you know, um, w what we ever knew w w was a format for a show. So I'm going to ask you Winnie's question, and then maybe we'll open it up to questions. How do you plan out a season? Do you think about character arcs? Do you think about events that you want to have happen? Is it a combination? Right. Do you plan out a season? Right. Yeah, we, we do plan out a season. I mean, that's the first thing we do. Um, um, not so much on about a boy, which which is a little bit more uh, close ended. It's not um, we we have ideas, but like on Parenthood, Friday Night Lights, um, we we spend uh, you know we that's the first thing we do is we look at um, you know um, you know we go through every character in the show 
And on Parenthood, that takes a very long time. Lots of characters. We look through every character in the show. We basically think, you know, start with like, where do we, you know, where do we leave them last year? Where do we want to see them get to? You know, what, you know, what, you know, just kind of like big sort of broad ideas. Um, and, uh, and then we keep going from there and we keep sort of mining and talking about it. And, you know, we want to have like a, you know, basically an arc for everybody, you know, sort of like a, a, you know, a place we want, you know, where do we want to get to with every character? Um, we might not necessarily know how to get, and we, we're going to get there, but, you know, sort of like have a sort of the end game and then start breaking it down by, you know, sort of stories. Um, sometimes we'll have an idea for a story without, you know, before the character gets involved, like we'll want to tackle, you know, we haven't told this story yet um this kind of story yet and and um so sometimes that'll happen but typically it's just more comes from you know the characters and you know there's things like you know um sometimes we'll just want to have um you know we'll come in just wanting to get characters involved that haven't been involved like for a good example of that is with you know uh on parenthood the peter krause character and the dak shepherd character you know, coming together and, um, you know, starting a recording studio, starting, you know, you know, that sort of came out of the fact that, um, you know, um, from, I remember like in the, right in the pilot episode, I remember there's all these scenes with Crosby and Adam and I was like, oh, this is going to be like a core relationship in the show. And they were so good together, those two actors. And then, um, they didn't really have that much. They didn't have particularly that much to do with each other. You need and a so, place for them, a reason for them to interact. A reason for them to interact. And I was very reluctant to do, like, the family business because I felt like, you know, family business feels kind of like a cliche. It doesn't feel that real. You know, how many people are really in family business? But then, um, you know, after a while, I didn't care because um, <laughs> recording studios are cool. And... Um, <laughs> And I really wanted those actors to, you know, and it really gave us, you know, a, a, a reason that, you know, um, to, you know, put them together. And they're so, they really are so great together. And then, you know, and then it seemed like natural to have Amber sort of get a job there. And um, so it just became a good um, place for, to have, you know, characters that we might not have seen as much together to do, to, to have together. But, but, but in any case... Um, you know, we plan it all out, not, not like breaking every story by any means, but we, we want to have like sort of an, we want to, we kind of want to know where we're getting to by the end. And you're thinking of that in terms of character. In other words, like, um, Crosby is, uh, intimidated by his older brother, but by the end of this arc, he's going to stick up for himself or how are you thinking about it? Yeah, we think of it as both individually, each character, you know, like what is this season about for them? Um, and then we think about it, you know, in terms of relationships. So if it's, you know, a season where, um, you know, um, like in the um, current season, um, you know, Crosby is... Um, he's basically dealing with the first time he um, he's dealing with he's he's dealing with midlife stuff for the first time. You know, even though like Crosby has gone through, 
you know, um, so much on the show and has gotten married and become this responsible guy. Oh, everything always always seemed to sort of like roll off his back and nothing ever. And this is this season, like Crosby starts to feel, how did I fucking become Adam? You know, and um, <laughs> and that's sort of like what the um, that was. That's kind of like the journey that he kind of goes on and then you know gets to a place you know we you know, we get him to to you know uh to a place by the end where you know he sort of gets through that but then along the way there are it's then you it's you know it suggests stories and that's just the way it happens it's like, 